Brother Steve Dameron. Let's be our next preacher, Brother Dameron, Fairhaven Baptist. And uh, where is Brother Dameron? Right here in the front. Our people know that um, in my preaching, I focus so much attention on the back rows that they can sit right up here and get completely unnoticed. There you are. Come on, brother. Good to have you with us. All right, if you have your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and before we get started here, I wanted to just mention this uh, for all the preachers here, just uh, something to maybe think about, put down um, on Friday when you're heading back or Saturday, put it down, uh, drop Pastor Smith a thank you, but handwrite it, all right, or text them. Um, because most of the time, I know this from running a conference, most of the time all you hear is crabbing, okay? So it's nice when you can just say, I appreciate you. And if you can, drop a gift card, all right? He'd take that. Would you take that? Yes, sir. Yeah, he would take gift cards too, all right? So, um, but just thank him. Um, I think some people come in and as was just preached, the scoffers look and say, wow, you know what? I wish I could do that. I wish I had that. But what you don't know is sometimes he's probably thinking, I wish they would do that because then you, you would have all the problems, all right? But 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to, a very familiar passage, verses 1 through 5, I charge thee therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And here's our, and this is for preachers here this morning, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And notice, going along with the message, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. First and second Timothy, most would all agree, are written to preachers. And we're instructed to preach. Preach the word. The word preacher here is a, a herald. He's a proclaimer, a publisher. The word preach is the picture of a minister standing before people and all the dignity and authority of God. This is the word that was used of an ambassador who was sent forth by the king to proclaim his message and all authority and dignity of the king himself. The, the word preach carries with it the idea of intense feeling, gravity, authority, so much so that it must be listened to and heeded. The person who preaches is the herald of Jesus Christ, not of someone else. The herald does not share his own opinions and his own views. He proclaims the truth of Jesus Christ. The Greek scholar Kenneth Woost has one of the most challenging descriptions of the word preach ever penned by man. In it, he says the word preach is a command to be obeyed at once. It is a sharp command as in, a, as in military language. The preacher must present not book reviews, not politics, not economics, not current topics of the day, not a philosophy of life denying the Bible and based upon unproven theories of science, but he preaches the word. 
The preacher is a herald. He cannot choose his message. He is given a message to proclaim by his sovereign. If you will not proclaim that, let him step down from his exalted position. In this passage, it says in verse 5 in 2 Timothy 4, but watch thou in all things. We're given a very similar idea in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. And look there. It says in that passage, take heed. Notice to who? To your flock. Take heed to everybody around you. Take heed unto thyself. And this is for preachers here this morning. Many years ago, God worked on my heart. And I have no idea why I took a Sunday and I preached on the pitfalls of preachers, which is kind of ridiculous because I was the only one in the pulpit. But I told them as a congregation, I said, I'm preaching this so that you will hold me accountable. And as preachers here, we must be held accountable to a high standard. And there are pitfalls of preachers. Pitfalls. This morning I'd like to consider some of the pitfalls of preachers. We'll see how many we get in. We'll pray that God leads and guides through the message. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would lead and guide. Help us as we consider some pitfalls of preachers. Lord, we all now think of ourselves, I think, better than we ought. And yet, Lord, I pray that we would come to that place of the Apostle Paul, that we're least of all. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to lift you up. Lord, that you'd meet with us here this morning. You already have met with us last night. These preachers have set, us a tide, uh, set aside time, Lord, not to, yes, we fellowship when we eat, and, and Lord, all that's necessary, but we just want to, we don't want our souls restored, renewed, revived. We need to hear from you. Do that which I cannot do. Speak to hearts. We ask and claim your power in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to consider some pitfalls. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to consider them all from the book of 1 Timothy. The pitfalls, because remember, he's writing Timothy, a young preacher. If you've studied it, you know that probably um, not as young as we think, probably in his 30s. Um, when he's writing him. But notice in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, And as I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Notice in verse 6, From which some having swerved have turned aside unto, I love this, vain jangling. All right? And look at down at verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murders uh, of fathers and murders of uh, mothers, for manslayers. Uh, if you go down to, oh, I'm sorry. I was 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Who have saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world, the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Uh, notice 
Uh, so that's what he's brought us. He's saved us, and he's called us to a holy calling and purpose. And what is that? 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Look at 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at the appearing in his kingdom, Preach the word. All right, so what is a pitfall of preacher? What is he telling them? Preach sound doctrine. You know what a pitfall of preachers is? We preach man's opinion instead of sound doctrine. Man's opinion. Uh, here in, in this passage in, in chapter 1 and verse 3, going back there, it says uh, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Uh, some uh, have swerved uh, and turned aside unto vain janglings. In 1 Timothy 6.20, it says, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. 2 Timothy 2.23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they gender stripes. All right, I've made it a practice. I've, I prayed about it and prayed about it. I've made it a practice. I, you don't see me on social media. All right, and I understand. I have pastor friends, and I, I'm thankful because they go out there, and they have a purpose. They've prayed about it, and they believe that uh, they should be there, and, and they're holding the line in some things, but God just said to me, no, don't get there. Don't do it. And for me, I looked at this, and it says, you know, because some of it is just foolish and unlearned. I have enough to deal with in my own church. That's why I was dealing with every other, everybody else's church members. But sometimes we forget that we're here to preach the word of God. We're here to lift up Christ. Not my own opinions. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Remember when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. And what did he tell them? He told them that we're supposed to lift up Christ. He said, we preach Christ crucified. It's unto the Jews a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks' foolishness. And he said, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Sometimes we think our opinion is so valuable instead of God's. And I understand we all have an opinion. But I would recommend, I would recommend for you to grab Pastor Sargent's book on pastoral theology and don't just teach it to somebody else, but read it and bring it in internally. Because in one of his sections, he's talking about what we are not. I am not a financial advisor. I am not a lawyer. I am not a medical professional. But some of you, you think your opinion on the coronavirus is more important than anybody's. You think your opinion on some aspect of law. And you know what? This member, this is what I recommend. You know what? I have an opinion about everything just like you. I have an opinion about pizza. I have an opinion about hot dogs. I have an opinion about what you put on hot dogs. I have an opinion about what you should wear. I mean, my staff... Uh, when they get up and, and preach, I've told my staff, I just met with my youth pastor, and I can't stand silly socks. I can't stand them. So I said, hey, I understand you can wear them wherever you want to, but in my pulpit, you're not wearing them. 
Now you'd say, well, that's just, you're, you're demanding something. No, that's, you know what, that's my pulpit. I can do it. Go get your own. I said, you're just not doing that. But you know what? I have really good pastor friends. I mean, I love them. And they stand up in the pulpit, and then all of a sudden their, their leg goes up. I'm like, holy cow, is that jalapenos? Like, what in the world? Right, but guess what? That's my opinion. My opinion. But, and some of us, we get up in a pulpit, and we sit there, and we park on stupid socks. Instead of lifting up Christ, preach the word, get in the book. And some of us think that our opinions about, oh, you know what, you, pastor, you know, what do you think about this? And what do you think about Robin Hood? And what do you, I have no idea. Go invest, go do whatever, get a financial advisor. Some of us, and this is what I think happens, because I've thought about it, I was like, so why does it happen to us? Why does it happen that my opinion gets on the same level? And actually, if you think about this, the Catholics, right? So um, the church fathers, other things, the Pope, their edicts are, uh, they say they're on the same level as the Bible, right? Mormonism, there's different religions. They say it's on the same level. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we don't discount it. It's on the same level. All right, well, the word of God is stationary, though. No. Their opinions change. So if it's on the same level, it's actually higher. Because it can over, they can stay at the same level and then go above sometimes, you know? Well, you're in I opinion sometimes. That's what we say. Well, you know what? Yeah. Why does my opinion sometimes become so valuable? Because if you're a good preacher, which all of us are, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> really good <laughs> but if we're a good preacher and your people love you and you study the book which you should do you know what people are like I really appreciate my pastor I appreciate what he says you know what starts happening yeah <laughs> I killed it this week yeah <laughs> kind of got it and then my opinion starts becoming more and more important and the Bible becomes less. Remember, it's just your opinion on some things. And so when I present a pitfall, I'm going to try to give you a cure. So one of the pitfalls is that we preach opinions instead of sound doctrine. So what's a cure? The cure is study the book and preach the book. Be careful not just to preach an opinion and when you do give an opinion, clarify it. Clarify it. Because, you know, really, it's okay to have an opinion. Everybody does have an opinion, like we said. All right, I have an opinion about workouts. But some I mean, you're so dogmatic. I'm like, it's just, I'm just eating lunch here and doing nice conversation. Understand, I don't really care what you say. I'm just trying to be nice. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what I think? I'm like, hey. I'm just trying to eat salad here, dude. Back off. All right, I was trying to be nice. I won't be nice next time. But some of us, that's the way our opinions are. But remember, when we're in the pulpit, it's, uh, we, I, I love the, the term, the sacred desk. Amen. It's holy. 
we step into the pulpit, preach the word of God. Be sound in our preaching. If you stay by the book, you won't go wrong. Secondly, notice in our text, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 1. So let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. God really pounded me with this this year. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. I exhort thee therefore that first of all, notice what he says, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Then notice later in the text in verse 8 of chapter 2, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So what's a pitfall? One, preaching the man's opinion instead of sound doctrine. Number two, prayer is not a priority. Prayer is not a priority. I'm coming on three decades of preaching. And uh, again, this is, I'll, I'll clarify, this is my opinion. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm big into goals. My wife's like, you're crazy. All right, it just, it's in my DNA. And some people, goals, you're like, if I set a goal, I, what thrills me is not doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I accomplished something. And so I was coming into the new year and praying and saying, all right, God, I, I just need to put some things in place spiritually. God just pounded me with prayer. And I'm like, you know what? I got that. Got it. Got it down. Like, you know what? Let's do something else. And I was like, prayer. And I'm telling you, one thing that God has done in the last couple months, he's brought things into my life that I've never prayed so much, I don't think, in the last three decades. It was like, oh, I'll make it a priority for you. Prayer is very important for us. Christ made it a high priority in his ministry. Luke 6, and it came to pass in those days that he went out in the mountain to pray. Continued all night in prayer to God. And then in Luke chapter 9, he says, the, says this, and it came to pass as he was alone praying. Remember the disciples in Luke chapter 11, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Remember reading one author about that text in Luke chapter 11, and they said, does our public prayer uh, encourage anybody or inspire anybody to pause and say, I want to pray like that? Probably not. But Christ, when you heard him pray, it made you pause and say, I've got to pray like that. Teach us how to pray. A.W. Tozer said this, the man who would truly know God must give time to him. A pastor cannot neglect his time with the Lord. This means that time is very important for you as a pastor. I understand that. You get a lot of different things. But then maybe talk to your church about it. And just say, hey, folks, I, I understand there's milestones that are, that are in your lives that are really neat, and you'd like the pastor to share those with you. But my main job is studying the Bible and praying for our people. And when your one-year-old finally gets up and walks, I'm sorry, I can't be there. It's like, oh, pastor. I can't believe you missed it. Like, missed what? Oh, 
they finally, and I'm they finally, they finally were able to uh, not use a diaper. You're like, uh, and I was supposed to be there for that? I, I mean, the ridiculous thing sometimes. But guess what? We need to be people of prayer, people of the book. But as pastors, we've got to be prayer warriors. Sometimes I think we believe that in our flesh we can accomplish so much. In our flesh we can just, if we work it right, we will see more souls. If we do this, we can just, we can bring this person back to the Lord. Not by yourself. It is through that power of prayer and begging God and the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And then all of a sudden he gives you wisdom and guidance for every step. Prayer must be a priority. So what's the cure? Personally, schedule some times of prayer. I don't believe if you don't, I, I believe this, if you do not schedule it, it will not happen. You schedule everything else. Schedule times of prayer. Do the work of prayer. Then on the church's side, don't overload a pastor so much that he can't pray for his people. So prayer is not a priority. Let's do number three, the third, third thing here. I'm looking for it. Let's turn to 1 Timothy 3. So we're in 1 Timothy 1, 2, and now 3. Look at, look at verse 3, and we're in the qualifications of a pastor. Not given to wine, no striker. Uh, I think it's there. Um, not a brawler. Come on now. This must be patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Uh, one that ruleth well uh, his own house, having his children in subjection to all gravity. Come on now. I'm looking at it. I got lost. All right, where does it say? Not a novice. Thank you. Wow, know your Bible. All right, so not a novice left being filled, lifted up with pride. So, uh, and I've actually had, I've had people say this to me. Okay, so what's a pitfall? The pitfall is that we end up preaching our opinions instead of sound doctrine. Secondly, uh, we don't make prayer a priority. Thirdly, we become proud of our work and forget it's God's work. Amen. Not a novice lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. A.W. Tozer again says this, the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little, little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, so we were there in 3, look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, Notice what it sell, uh, says to uh, Timothy here. Let no man despise thy youth in verse 12. But be thou an example of the believer in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to him, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 
What is it saying? It's saying that we need to work at becoming sound and mature as pastors. Some of us think we've arrived. I ask you, when's the last time you really took some time away and you did a personal study? You said, I've got to have some time. I need God. My people don't just need him. How can you give them God when you have never been with him? That's a novice move. Novice move is when you think that everything revolves around you. It's my work. No, we are his under shepherds. It is, I will build my church. It is Christ. Amen. And we point people to him. And that is, I think, what happens with many of us because our people appreciate us. Pretty soon it's ours. No, and God has to come and pry your hands away. Believe it or not, your work, if it's God's work, will do well even without you. That's hard. That's hard. I don't like that. Why? Because in our flesh, I want to be appreciated. All of us do. That's the nature of this stupid world we live in. I got to have a thumbs up. Like me. I don't. Like you at all. Like, uh, we got some, I even tell our folks, I said, hey, if, if we put something up and we don't get some dislikes, there's something wrong. All right, that, that validates me. I irritated somebody. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes we start thinking that it's our work and forget it's God's work. So what should we do? If the qualifications in Acts chapter 6, which, oh, there's great debate on that too. But in Acts 6, if they were calling deacons here in Acts 6, it says the number of the disciples was multiplied. There was a murmuring because there was some stuff that was being not done. And so the twelve called the multitude of the disciples and said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So look what they said. So the people that were supposed to serve tables, look out among yourselves, men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. So if there was the guys that were serving tables were supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost, sound in the word of God, and servants, how much more should it be that when we're looking for a pastor or somebody to rear up and train for the ministry that we don't say, oh, you know what, I guess, I guess for these people in the pew here that are going to lead, we want them filled with the Holy Ghost and honest and we want them, uh, we want them uh, sound in the word of God, but oh, they're just going to be preachers. You know that's ludicrous. So what's the cure? Be careful. Be careful even who you lift up and put in the pulpit. We want mature people behind this pulpit. Then the last one, all right, is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, back in our text. So we looked at 1 Timothy 1, 2, 3, 4. Look at verse 4, let no man despise thy youth, chapter 4, verse 12, but be thou an example. And notice one, one of the things is be an example of purity. 
And look at chapter 5 and verse 22. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other man's sins. Right in the middle of it. It doesn't seem like it fits, but then notice what he says. Keep thyself pure. Notice uh, in chapter 6 and verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. And then he says, and if you have the love of money, you're going to pierce yourselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow what? Righteousness, godliness, faith, patience, meekness. You can go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it talks about in a great house. There are vessels unto honor and dishonor. So what is another pitfall? We're not careful in the area of purity. I have a man, he's passed away now, but he started an internet service called Clean Internet. Uh, it's still going. There's some men in our church that run it. But I would sit and talk with him, and there's another man that I talk with. They do almost all of the, uh, they take phone calls. They work with a lot of people as far as the accounts. And he says it's sad to him to see how many pastors try to override the filters. I have another friend that uh, he runs a, a purity uh, program, really good one. And he said, he said it's astounding to him how many pastors have problem with pornography. Be careful in the area of purity. You're an example. So put some guidelines in place. That's the cure. Put some guidelines in place. I don't care if they, if they think my, my wife can look at anything that I'm doing. Anything. And she has the right to question me. Some of you, Mr. You know, living in the cave world, caveman. No, she yes, she does. She has the right to look. She has the right to say, hey, what are you doing? And thank the Lord for a wife that's willing to call you on the carpet. Be a strong preacher. One man in Minnesota wrote this. Our preacher is just too hard when he preaches. We must laugh, be hugged, entertain. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Lighten up, preacher. Take it easy. Cut some corners, they say. But God's man knows such things won't cut it on Judgment Day. The pastor should ease up on doctrine, try to just get along. That way, all the brethren together could sing the same old songs. He makes too much of outdated and costly separation, but God's man knows that he must pass the faith to the next generation. Preach only the positive. Just bless them and be a man about town, but God's man knows in the long run that will only bring souls down. Get the people no matter the cost. Nickels and noses is the game. But with the prophets, the apostles, and Jesus, it wasn't the same. Make it smooth. Leave out parts of the Bible, those things that scatter. But God's man knows it's all God's word, and that ought to matter. And, it, and does it really count how the members live and dress? But God's man knows that's why the country is in such a mess. Oh, dearly beloved, let us faithfully the old paths trod. We'll be very glad we did when at the end we face God. Preachers, let's preach the word.